Blog Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind You once again I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know Just what you've done Uh, good evening. Welcome to the NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now Scan Blog Talk Radio Show. NASCA is the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. My name is Victoria, and I'm your host for the evening. And my co-host, I think, is Anne. She is it on yet. If not, um, I'll be uh, answering the back lines. And we are on scan number 3252. Um, I'm excited to introduce to you our special guest this evening. However, first, I would like to tell you that we have a single purpose at NASCA, which is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect, and we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, CSA, and setting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many um, services to adults survivors of child abuse and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. Again, we are on scan number 3252. And if you'd like to be part of the panel this evening, please call 646-595-118. That's six four six five nine five two one one eight, and my co-host or myself will be on the back line and ask if you'd like a question or have anything to say. We'd love to have you join us as for our guest. Now, uh, our special guest um, uh, today is Mr. Uh, Deborah Schleich, and I know I said wrong. Grew up all over the world in multi family where her mother was mentally ill and is now a survivor professional. Living in uh, Pensacola, Florida, she's uh, trained in ministry, mental health, working with substance abuse, and is trauma-informed social worker, all in one. She volunteers with many community organizations. Pastor Deborah says she can minister by text, phone, Skype, in person, and however the Lord directs her 24-7. She teaches that humans have three parts, being of spirit, soul, and the physical body, and believes that all three are important, and that each area needs care. We look forward to Pastor Deborah being an active member of the NASCA's family. Oh, no. She's been an active member of the NASCA family for a long time. 
Um, on these episodes, we welcome various co-host survivor professionals um, who will assist in uh, fielding questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call-in participants. Their trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals will help guide them um, through discussions of the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality. And uh, everyone's invited to uh, engage in tonight's show. And also please visit the NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A.org website. Uh, We've got about 42 programs on there that um, are worth uh, really looking at. So without further ado, um, hello, Pastor Deborah. How are you tonight? Hello, Miss Victoria. I'm doing really well. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're here in Pensacola, Florida, under a high heat dome. Our days Uh, are about 100 degrees and plus, but we have no hurricanes, no uh, fires, no floods, no earthquakes. It's just hot, but we are getting through it, and, uh, Uh you know, it's kind of (laughs) hot. But I'm doing real well. I've been real busy today Uh doing a lot of editing on videos and um, getting ready to do some more recording on some more teaching and things like that. Oh, and, fantastic. Um, so I'm doing real good. Yeah, doing great. 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 Yeah, I and, don't know if you uh, heard, but uh, I got a little girl, uh, Bashan, and I already, you know, some people know that I have a male one that um, is my service animal. And uh, anyway, she's nine months old and she went into heat for the first time. So I got these cute little diapers with little yeah, skirt on yeah. and you know, the Velcro and all that. Well, apparently my male saw me put the Velcro on and just went over and ripped it off with his teeth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the hormones. Yes, 40% chance she could get pregnant on, on one time. I, That's I said, correct. I'll take well, one, one percent chance. Right? Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the, yeah. Well, those are very powerful hormones and pherons uh, in the animal yeah. kingdom and also in um, that put off um, that, you know, helps the animals to reproduce and stuff. And right. uh, very powerful and stuff. So mm-hmm. have we got any guests online? Um, I don't see anybody on yet. Nope, just you and I. Okay. And then right, um, well, I also want to bring up something that um, I'd like some prayer from you and other people. Um, I, uh, normally don't go on that, my chart thing through my doctor because it just disturbs me so much, but I got a message that says, go on it and look at your blood test results. And I went on it and I have, um, had stage three kidney failure and the test that I just did came up stage four, which is worth And so, um, it's stage five is where, um, you do, um, uh, what's called dialysis or, you know, you're on the yeah, list for transplant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was on that when I first got kidney failure and then it got better. And okay. uh, anyway, um, so anyway, uh, it got better. It went from 15 to up to 40%. Okay. So what's and, what And uh, I had for? a diet and exercise okay. 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 All right, but, Victoria, uh, Victoria. I'm, yeah, I have to start drinking more water and take better care of myself. And it's okay. just a really hard thing to do. Well, here's the thing, Victoria. What I I tell people, you have, uh, you can get kidney transplants, you know, from other people and stuff. Very difficult, right. but you can do a lot. Uh, you can do research, you know, on YouTube and on Google about uh, how to 
help yourself, be a, have healthier kidneys, drinking more water. Here's what usually uh, you, how I help people is you must have thought about why am I still here? I had a lot of bad stuff happen to me as a child, a lot of trauma, a lot of ick. It didn't kill me physically. Right. It did some damage. It did some damage. Mm-hmm. But why am I still here? Okay, and you have to first ask that question. Then you must get the answer. And the typical answer is you have a purpose. Now, you ha- spiritual, well, spiritually, you have an enemy who wants to kill you. And if he can get you to not take care of your own body correctly, drink more water, eat right, exercise, blah, 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 deal with your stress, he's happy. You're doing self-suicide by not caring about your physical body. And you have to come to a conclusion that I have a reason why I'm still alive. Here's how I do it. I've got a heart. I got a pacemaker. I have been poisoned, shot at, almost stabbed and killed in my own home trying to help people. But I told this Satan guy, who's the adversary of God, who I serve, he cannot take me out. I have a purpose. He can hit me good, and he has, but he cannot take me out. Until I've prayed my last prayer, I have done the ministry I'm supposed to do, made my last video, did this, did that, then I will decide when I will go. I will sit down in a chair with the Bible, read Psalms, close my eyes, and I'm out of here. Because I have a purpose mm-hmm. for being here on the planet. Now, it's an right. attitude. And from oh, there, great. you can go You can go and say to yourself, I have a purpose, therefore I will drink more water. I will lose weight. I will eat correctly. I will get a handle. No more excuses. If you don't do that, you are committing suicide. You're killing yourself. And nobody is going to, the doctors try to tell you, and we are lazy people. We make excuses. We don't want to change. We don't want to do anything. And there's a lot of counselors and doctors who know that about humanity. And I yeah. go, I'll just see you on the other side because you won't listen to us. You won't yeah. study. You won't do what's right. If you smoke cigarettes and you won't give it up, if you drink alcohol mm-hmm. and you won't get help, we look at you and say, <laughs> well, just watch us slowly die. We have very little sympathy for you. Because we've got young kids who are getting traumatized that they want to live. So our attentions were short. I'm just saying, so you have to learn. You don't use the NASCA show to tell everybody about your personal health conditions. It doesn't help child sexual abusers to be healed. You call me personally. You mean not child sexual abusers, you mean child sexual abusers. Okay, okay. you don't use the show about your personal medical problems. That's not what it's for. 
It's to help people tell their story about their child abuse, to bring healing and hope to them. So what you would need to do is call me personally or a person, and then you can talk. But the show is about healing from child sexual or child abuse. You don't Mm -hmm. waste people's listening time with your personal medical. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, because I've had, we have to stay on track because when listeners listen to it, they go, yeah, but I don't have that. That's not my problem. So what I wanted to get back to is the topic for tonight. It's called the rays of healing. I'm going to use an illustration using a white glass pyramid. Uh, and with, if you ever see just shine a flashlight into it, it, we call it white light, into a glass pyramid. Out on the other side, you will see the colors of the rainbow. And how that works is when you see a rainbow in the sky, light from the sun is shining through water drops that are in the clouds that are clear. You know, water drops are clear. But when it goes through that, refractions occur, and the white light breaks up into the many different colors that are in the light. And I wanted to talk about how when, for somebody who's had childhood abuse trauma, teenage years, what is required and what is in healing? And that is first love, agape love, not human love, but a powerful love source as a white light must come into your soul and your spirit. It breaks out, and here's what you get in just love. You get a feeling of safety a feeling of comfort, feeling of peace. You get an anchor to your self-image. I am loved. I'm valued. You get an, an, an image of yourself that you're wanted. You Values start developing. Uh, you're starting to feel whoever this person is that's comforting me with a bottle or the breast changing my diaper, whatever that is. They're playing with me. Their touch is not hurtful. You're developing, you're feeling safe, protected. You're feeling at peace. All that comes in love. So when a child does not get that in childhood and through trauma or abuse, all those areas that are in love are dis- are perverted, twisted, destroyed, wounds come in that fester. Uh, your image you're supposed to have of that you're a, a loved person or something gets destroyed. You don't feel safe. The relationship between this person is destroyed, it's perverted and twisted. There's no comfort. You don't feel safe. So when somebody goes and tries to seek healing, either from a therapist or different peer-to-peer supports or uh, 
AA meetings or NA or inpatient hospitalizations or therapy, uh, whatever they're trying, life coaching, something like that. Or if you get a good pastor or spiritual person, the person is seeking that a lot of things. Does that make sense, Victoria? Yeah, it does. Okay. All right. Yep. So how it comes in, if you can visualize light from the sun, that's more. That's an outside source coming through clear raindrops or a crystal pyramid, and you will see the colors of the rainbow break out through that. Because those colors, those different frequencies and of the light are already in the light. We call them wavelengths or different uh, things of light. A lot of times, you know, we see one level, but animals at nighttime, their eyes to see different frequencies of the light. We know there's different frequencies of sound. In agape love, which is not human, coming from an outside source, that's why you can never heal yourself. You can never have any kind of yourself that has been yourself in your soul or your spirit can never heal itself. It will do self-protection. It will uh, create different images that it needs to be. It will do find its own way of safety. And what happens, our enemy to healing, which there is one, he goes, I can't let that happen. I need to keep that person wounded fearful, under my control, perverted in their thoughts, their concept. They can't develop. I don't want them to develop a normal, healthy self-image. I don't want them to feel protected by their spouse or a job or feeling safe. I always want them to be on edge. And I, and I will use all kinds of things, and I'm going to relate it to your story, Victoria, he will use our own thoughts, okay, our own um, nature that has developed from the abuse to not care for our physical body. And even if we get a diagnosis of almost stage four or five uh, issues, we are so stubborn, we complain, but we're not cleaned enough in ourselves to do what the doctors tell us to do. I I live with one. Uh, he doesn't want to quit drinking. He did, they, But then when the issues come up, the fear arises. So I always had a different personality, a different willpower that said, uh-uh. I mean, I got hit like you did a lot. But I knew there was something I was to do in this world. I knew I had one round, you know, one life to do it in. And I had to stay healthy. And I had to, of course, we all have strong will. Everybody that survives child abuse, their will is so strong, they don't die. I mean, they're hit pretty good. 
But then it comes to physical issues. The trauma's still working. We're still wounded. We still have issues. Some of it's genetics. Some of it's our environmental stuff. Some of it's our own choices we make for whatever reasons. And we die early. So therefore, whatever you were supposed to do, let's say, Victoria, in your part, if you were to be a powerful, strong advocate for NASCA and helping people to wake up from not, you know, realizing this stuff is happening and to be a voice out here on the radio show that you can get healed and there's many different support systems and and advocate for it. Do you think your enemy of healing and wants you to continue to be a voice out here? It wants you to know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's going to come after you. But he's already yeah. got your personality created, your values, what you think is important. And you go to the doctor and they give you a bad report. You get angry mm-hmm. and people want prayer for it, but they won't gather mm-hmm. the willpower and the discipline mm-hmm. to do yeah. what the doctor says. They make all kinds of excuses. I've watched mm-hmm. it in mental health counseling. I worked in rehab hospitals. I worked as a chaplain in the emergency room, in psychiatric hospitals, in uh, homeless shelters. People are very stubborn. They don't like authority. They want to do what they want to do. They don't want to change their habits. They don't want to believe what the doctor is saying. And so they don't. And a lot of people just learn to live with it. And uh, most of your doctors, you know, they go, they'll size you up pretty good whether you're going to be a cooperative patient and you're going to listen to them and you're going to take their counsel, you know, because they know about the stuff or not. They don't get really emotionally involved with you. Because you pro- most of their patients do not pay attention to what the doctor says. They have prevention in the hospitals, lose weight, exercise, quit smoking, quit drinking, you know, get your body in shape. And most patients don't do anything with it. Doctors know that about us. So what they do is they kind of stay cold and distance. They tell you what's going on, okay? And then we start feeling the stress because we're looking at death which we most of us really aren't ready to go, and yet we don't really want to make changes. So in healing, it's the same way. Healing from childhood abuse, sexual trauma, rejection, bullying, whatever. You must have a person in your life that can help you get strong will and determination to make changes, to seek healing, stay in there when it's hurting. You know, getting kidney dialysis is not fun. I mean, you're going to give up hours and hours and hours and hours every single day or every two or three days. You're going to sit in a chair and that's all you're going to do. Life, as you know, it is over with and you live under the sentence of death. But because we're so stubborn, we're very willful, and we're going to do what we want to do. We don't really, you know, believe what they say. 
And a lot of people will just go to a pastor and say, pray for me, but they don't do anything. So I, I have worked with people that are like that, and my as a pastor, it's like, okay, nobody's going to force you. I'll see you on the back end when you die and you get to heaven, okay? I got to move on because I got young kids, teenagers, and they want to live, and you don't. So a lot of therapists are very cold. They go, huh, you don't even want to come to counseling? Don't want to, you know, do therapy? You're silly and goofy and don't want to talk about anything? You're wasting my time and the doctors look at it. So you have to be determined to get healed. And how you get there is you must know you got a purpose. And you've got things like for you, Victoria, anybody that comes on the uh, NASCA show, their job is to be activists. Fight for NASCA. Fight for the people to be aware of child abuse. Uh, promoting that there's help, there's healing, uh, things like that. And then that's one that the other is promote healing. And you have to be able to say to the people, yeah, I've been there. Okay. I've gotten healed. And the reason I told, I think I told this last time I was on there about why I had a pacemaker. I think I told somebody else. The reason I got a pacemaker is because I was ministering to a young guy. His name was Gavin. He would grew up, sold by his mama to a satanic high priest. He grew up in child pornography as an infant. And he became a hardcore heroin addict, and God did a deliverance on him. And then this a high priest raped him with a steel rod. And he ended up in the hospital, had a lot of pain and everything, and he didn't want to take the painkillers because he was afraid he'd become addicted again and then become a heroin addict. So I said to him, I'll take your pain for you and your infection. We'll show you what the love of God is from the cross, What what was taken from me and for me through a young man named Christ Jesus. I will extend that and you will learn how powerful that kind of love is. I will take your infection that you're probably going to get on myself. I couldn't believe it that I would take and sacrifice myself for them, that I'm going to show you something. A few weeks later, I got an infection, turned out diverticulitis, went to my heart, got a pacemaker. So there are, when God will use from the pastoral side to help somebody believe that there's healing and hope and there's a love, a son, sort of more powerful than they've ever imagined that can come into them and shine all these different frequencies of his light, they can feel safe again. But one thing I always learned, Victoria, now, is anybody on the line? Any guests? No, it's just you and I. Okay. Is I'll tell another story that helped Candy. I was working with her. She was a great high satanic queen. When she was about three years old, a lot of, she was born into a lot of abuse and disassociation. Her little spirit needed a protector. She created a disassociative part named James. He was a young called him gang teenager, very powerful. So Sandy, uh, Candy's spirit needed rest, and she needed to feel protected because no human being, nobody, no human spirit, nothing was protecting her. So she created, out of the gift of disassociation, 
a protector named James. I ran into him, and I would talk to him with her voice on the phone or in person. And he would say, yeah, he'd been there, and uh, he was Candy's protection. All right? The spirit wants protection. The soul wants to be protected from bad people, bad things. So what happened was when I suggested there was somebody else that could be Candy's protection 24-7, he didn't believe it. I had to explain it. And I said, why don't we give him a chance? Of course, it being a pastor, that was Christ Jesus. I said, you go ask Candy. Now, James was a creation of Candy. Now, so I'm really talking to Candy, but I'm asking James, you go talk to Candy and see if she will give this Christ Jesus a chance to be her spiritual protector deep inside of her. So when I do ministry and healing with people who've had trauma and abuse, you must get their their spirit's permission. If I talk to you, Victoria, and let's say you had, I don't know if you do, this is social parts or multiple personalities, I'm very comfortable with all of them, and that, but they represent, they're covering the core of you. So I could talk to one little part of you, but I'm really talking to your core that's listening. So I'm very respectful, and I'd say, why don't you go ask Victoria if she would be okay with something. A lot of the human spirits in spirituality are very frightened of healing, protection. They have found their own system, okay? They've got all these things, all these different lights protecting them. Sometimes it's in the world of spirituality, it's mental, it's uh, called demonic spirits. In mental health counseling, it's different programs, post-traumatic stress, disassociation, multiple personalities, their protections. They are the safe, they are the safe personalities that deal with people and places and trauma and fear and stuff. So what happens is when somebody needs healing, they need, how I explain it, is this white light We'll say coming from an outside source, use the sun up there, shining its rays into our spirit and soul and physical body. And then it breaks out in there through our spirit into all these different frequencies of light. Like joy has a different frequency than peace. So all of that is in the agape love, this is how I do ministry, white light. Now, in mental health counseling, they know that a lot. They know that they need to resolve some issues. They're working in your soul. Uh, they work close with psychologists and psychiatrists because they know that the biochemical neurons the biochemistry, the electrical stuff, if you've ever had any type of testing on your brain, which my son did, he had hit, fell out of his bed, hit his head on a corner of a toy box, caused seizures. He had some brain damage. When you put on the stuff on your head and you watch it on these scopes, you can see 
when you blink your eyes, you can see it. It's translated into electricity. Because really, believe it or not, in your brain, it's electrical chemical. And so what, and it's chemicals, it's, it's electrical that's run. If you ever watch neurons, if you ever see any studies on the brain, it's biological. And so what happens is, even a memory is stored in chemical, electrical form. And there are gates and doorways and triggers that let those memories come back. They travel our nerve system. So a mental health counselor should have had some studying in the vargas nerve that starts in the brain, uh, uh, that travels the body and how it is stored and stuff. I was different because as soon as I got my license, I'm working in a rehabilitation institute with brain injury patients, spinal cord injury patients, people that have been burned by gasoline, stroke patients, people who something happened, they're laying, they cannot move, they're paralyzed, uh, children, teenagers, adults, uh, all kinds. That wasn't normal for mental health counselors. But I had to be able to work on a team with a physiatrist, that's a doctor. I got a lot of medical training, a lot of teaching. Uh, I worked with speech therapists. I had to understand how speech was affected, occupational therapists, physical therapists. Uh, I had to work with a lot of dietitians, cardiologists. Uh, urologist, uh, nurses had to learn how to write in the patient's chart to be on call. Uh, it was a tremendous experience I had never had in just, say, seeing patients in a one-on-one -on -one in your uh, office. Then I had chaplaincy training in a hospital, spent the night in the hospital, patients, um, worked with the doctors, had to, all kinds of things. Be right there next to somebody who committed suicide and they're pumping their stomach um, with the emergency crew, the uh, EMTs, the nurses. It's very intense, very intense and highly trained people. So I had different experiences that I could see life and death happening all the time and parents and children and teenagers so when a person has had childhood trauma, and of course, I think I've talked with Bill about this, the adult childhood experience test, the ACEs, they discovered that if you had different traumas, maybe you had a parent die, that was considered an adverse childhood experience, parental divorce, uh, sometimes even the death of a childhood pet, and it and at the far end extreme was, of course, sexual abuse, child abuse, uh, something like that, and neglect, bullying, things like that. And um, so what happened is for a long time, people didn't really know how that affected people in their soul, childhood abuse. And that um, they didn't realize the wounds that it caused. And so um, hopefully people will realize this has been going on. People are starting to wake up, and 
Victoria, you've done, I understand, do an excellent job out there in the community with advocacy and handing out information, and mm-hmm. we need that. Uh, they just had something about human trafficking, and but mm-hmm. child abuse sort of gets on the back burner. You don't hear much about it anymore. Uh, even though it's going on, you hear it's more in context with human trafficking. Yeah. It's in, okay. But we want Victoria to be healthy. Right. Because we need Victoria's voice out there on the radio, out in the community. We need you advocating for NASCA and healing. So mm-hmm. I didn't mean to be rude to you, but I had to get you mm-hmm. the the, the teaching we have a short time mm-hmm. is so Victoria mm-hmm. needs to go and make some decisions mm-hmm. about yeah. if she needs to drink more water she got to drink more water I mean that's mm-hmm. just the way it's if you're going to complete what God is this is what I believe and spiritual mm-hmm. God puts you here let you mm-hmm. live through that mess right you okay you didn't die and here's that's how right. I address it I point my finger I might look at my wall in my room, and I'll look over there and say, Satan, you and your evil stuff that came through somebody, you hit me good. You knocked me down, destroyed a lot, but you didn't take me out. You didn't kill me. You should have. Now I'm going to be your worst enemy. I'm going to be a voice of light and healing and truth. You should have taken me out. Okay, I have these. I have these different attitudes than most mental health counselors. I'm not very sympathetic. I'm going to get down to business. I don't want to hear people's stories. I've heard them. I've studied them. I don't need to hear them. We got work to do. Okay, I'll assess the situation. What we got a broken leg? Well, we're getting you right in. We're going to take care of it. There is no. Okay, I know it's painful. We're going to take. And a lot of healers are like that. They don't waste time listening to stories. They already know the story. And we got to get you sort of like back out on the battlefield because there's war out there. And we need you to get healthy as quick as you can, mentally, spiritually, physically, so you can keep in the war. And a lot of victims of sexual abuse, they're sidelined. They're in hospital so to speak they're wounded they cannot help you victoria well however you got you out but you back in the battle now satan's taking another hit at you okay through this kidney stuff so you have to you can speak to your kidneys you know that you can say i am so sorry that i have abused you and i didn't drink water and blah 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 i'm so sorry i didn't care for you you're my body I didn't have enough love for my kidneys to do what was right. You can right. apologize. And, okay, I've done that. Because yeah. you're given, your soul is connected, and you have to take responsibilities, and you, should, and you need to. Part of healing is, I'm so sorry. One, you got hurt in childhood. Wasn't your fault. But I'm going to make sure you're healthy. I'm going to care for my body. I'm going to make sure I eat right, right drink plenty of water. Don't drink and drive. Don't do drugs, okay? Because I'm yeah. responsible. Because once that body is out of here, the heart stops mm-hmm. gone. And yeah. I got things to do. I got advocacy I to do, 
Okay. Yep. So I always had a little different attitude about healing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I, yet I knew I was in a battle. I knew I had enemies. I bring I bring people in my home trying to help them and love them, and they're trying to kill me. Yeah. I had people go by on bicycles, going to shoot me with a silencer and a gun. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you start helping people like Victoria, when you're advocating, and you're out in the community and you're speaking, there's some mm-hmm. people out there that they don't like that. Oh, oh you to I be silent. I know that. Okay. And they will work on you. They'll stand there, and you might, and you may not even feel it, but they can speak curses against you. Yeah. And they can blind you, and you don't drink enough well, water. Just, and that maybe gives me more energy. That gives me more energy to fight, actually. Okay, but a lot of like a lot I of told our, I, had, I was told I had untreatable inoperable breast cancer in 2000, and even the doctor mm-hmm. said it was a miracle. You know, and having a doctor say it's a miracle mm-hmm. to me is pretty amazing mm-hmm. to sit on them think they're gone. Well, <laughs> when they say that, they mean it, this is an act of God. Okay. Yeah. And what you, okay. Yeah. And what that yep. tells you is God has a plan for your life. Yep. And he wants yep. you and out there, difference. but you got to be healthy. Yeah. Because sick people don't listen to sick people. They need uh-huh. your voice strong. They need you active, not complaining, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, dealing with yeah, We're all going to have biological issues as we get older. We yep. have, you know, eat right, you know. I have learned you have to, as you get older, you must watch what you eat. You must change your diet. You must drink mm-hmm. the water. You've got to yep. get off all this other coats and stuff like that because... If you're going to stay, according to the Bible, you're given 120 years mm-hmm. for your physical body. I believe it. Okay? And you hear a lot of people. But mm-hmm. if you don't take care of the physical body, maybe you're ignorant, you don't have education. Well, you got to get some. Well, you go to the doctor and he tells you to do something and you don't do it because you're stubborn. Prideful. He ain't going to tell me what to do. I know how to take care of my life. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that may have served you when you were younger to survive. But as you get older, you have to change your diet. I keep my husband on a schedule. I feed him Mm. healthy foods. You Mm -hmm. know, uh, he's 81. I'm 71. Okay, mm-hmm. life slows down. Uh, yep. We care for each other, but we stay. Now we've had hurricanes and it's stressful, but we stay on a daily schedule. We stop yep. at a certain time. We keep we keep the stress out. We stay away from family. Okay, blah blah blah. But at the same time, you must learn to eat right. You can change. You must lose weight. So what happens is... Well, not me. I don't need to lose weight. I need to gain it. <laughs> not everybody needs whatever. to lose it. <laughs> While there's yeah. a certain, for your body height and stuff, there's a, right. a range, and the doctors and stuff can tell you. But as you get under. older, well, as you yeah. get older and you sit more and stuff, now down here, you know, we're sweating because of the heat. 
okay? If you are out where those hurricanes are coming or the fires, Mm -hmm. you're going to burn a lot of energy and calories in recovery and grieving. So you've got to have more high-calorie stuff. But the vargus nerve coming from the brain down through to the stomach, it is sending off electrical, we'll call it current, an electrical, neuroelectrical stuff into your stomach so you get sick and you can't eat. And then, you know, your body is burning energy. So I had, because I had a medical experience and I could go to free diabetes education training, free classes, you know, I learned a lot about the, we call it the mind, soul, and body connection, which you have to have. And, um, you know, I watched as my father had pre-diabetes, putting through the diabetes education class, and he wouldn't change his diet. He stayed on the salt, stayed on the pot pies, the canned soups. He'd go there and he'd shake his hand and go, oh, that sounds... He wasn't a cook. He depended on his wife who had passed away. He just wasn't going to change. Okay? And he died at 92 of congestive... He fell and broke his neck and survived. But he really kept stating he wanted to live to be 120. He knew that. And I was angry with him because he could have gone there if he had kept going. He had done it correctly. And, of course, our bones, they, they, they need to be exercised and stuff and things like that. So in healing for people with childhood sexual trauma abuse or just trauma, at some point already when it happened, the spirit said, I'm going to survive, I'm going to leave, i got an escape mechanism, defense. I might create multiple personalities. I might have an out-of-body experience, which in mental health, they really don't talk about it. It's just called disassociation from the emotion. But typically, you have an out-of-body experience. It's forced because typically what happens when you die, as the heart stops and you're under so much fear, your spirit will leave your body. And in Satanism, that is forced all the time, so you just live that way. As somebody at home, just a small child, okay, um, They uh, it happens. And they don't know then when the spirit, uh, you can watch some great movies. Uh, I think Reese Witherspoon made a movie about it. Ghost made a movie uh, with Patrick Swayze uh, movie. There was a Chinese movie I just watched called Crossing Me. People in comas, people they, they leave their bodies, and, and then when their spirit gets back in their body, their soul has trouble remembering what their spirit until something happens and they get those memories from the spirit. So in healing, you have a lot of people who've had those experiences in childhood, and the memories are there. The disassociative parts are there, but they only come up every so often when they feel safe. Uh, I've worked with people that had just all different kinds, 
dark side ones, light side ones, out in the public ones. You may have girls, boys, teenagers, whatever. Some uh, might think they're an animal or something like that. And um, so in healing, what has to occur is a source, we're using the sun, has to send its rays, like through the water droplets, the pyramid, so you can see the variety and the multitude of the different light frequencies and colors. That's when you look at the rainbow, you see that's white light from the sun going through raindrops in a cloud or uh, moisture shining out and it takes on the form of the circulatory you get half of it. But you see a red, a blue, yellow, green stuff. That's in the light that's coming through the water droplets. So in healing, from a ministerial side, even mental health, they know a connection to a good therapist, support group, love coming from peer to peers, uh, AA, something like that, love coming from a neighbor, a love coming from a friend has all those rays of the different frequencies in it. And what you get from that, maybe with one person you feel safe physically, emotionally, mentally. I can tell you my story and you're not going to laugh at me or bully me. Another ray might be I feel at peace with you. Candy's story was she could not feel protected by anybody. She created her own self-protection, James, a, a disassociative created part from Candy, the spirit. And so other ways that when I started learning, uh, the master's level counselor never got any training in disassociation multiple personalities, PhDs, a few did, but not many, really, because what happens is you get diagnosed as a schizophrenic, uh, bipolar, uh, versus, uh, at that time it was called multiple personalities. And so the master's level person who are most of your primary, um, private practitioners they don't get that. Most pastors don't get any of this kind of training. Most pastors don't even get hospital emergency room training. And so in agape love, we'll call it the big guy in the sky, the sun, is shining his love down, but it's got to come into you, into your spirit, shine out all of its different rays of light into your soul, protection, joy, peace, you get a a connection, you build your self-image through love. And one of the best movies to see this at work, The Three Faces of Eve. When uh, Eve was married to one man as Eve White, he was very abusive and dismissive. That kind of love wasn't going to do it. Eve Black was a 
party girl, bar attendant. She was a playgirl. None of those kind of loves were going to make. But because she wanted healing, because she had given her daughter to her parents, she didn't feel safe keeping her. She had to go to the hospital a lot, and she wasn't one. She wanted healing. She stayed in, a, I think, a motel to be closer to her psychiatrist so she could get healed, so she could get her custody of her daughter back. She got divorced from this first husband, and she ran into a man. She loved him. He loved her. And she told him, I had some medical issues. I'm under the care, and I can't get my daughter back until I get healed. And he said, I love you, and I will stay with you, and no matter what. That was the kind of love she needed. But she was willing to stay in therapy, gave up her daughter, get healing, Whatever it took, she met with her psychiatrist frequently. I don't know if she was on medication. But it took the gentle love of a man that would love her even in her sickness. She was up front with him that was able for her to have this new part, Jane, be created, come forth, and the other two who were incapable of being in a deep marriage relationship with a loving man, both Eve White and Eve Black disappeared. Neither one of them could care for the little girl, could be in a true adult marriage situation. But because she wanted healing, she was willing to sacrifice for a time her daughters somewhere else with her parents until this man showed up. And he loved her no matter what. And that was what she needed to anchor her and get healed. And what happens to people who have had childhood abuse trauma, they they haven't gotten healed yet, so they make poor decisions. They're disassociative parts, like Eve White, she was a mousy... uh, this ineffective woman, very violent. She couldn't get along with her husband. Then uh, she had Eve Black, who was a wild party girl and stuff. So in the unhealed condition, she couldn't find the right type of love she was looking for because the different parts were so different. And the movie, if you get out on YouTube and you get her name, can't remember it, a true story that happened in the southern part of the country, they show her on some YouTube videos actually switching personalities. She gives her testimony. These are stories, that true stories that, you know, I studied and watched, and I saw how did uh, the parts disappear, where did they go, one said, I felt like I'm dying. The other said, I, I, I am not appropriate. Jane needs to be the one to survive. So there was an internal healing going on. The psychiatrist really wasn't even a part of it. He didn't really initiate the healing. 
he was more shocked that he was even being seeing this. They'd read about it, and it was in his office. They were more professionally shocked. The man who loved her, all he did was love her with a genuine man-to-woman love, willing to stay with her no matter what, and was gentle and kind. But within uh, Eve herself, the two parts that had survived her life with her all those years, both of them knew they were not appropriate to continue on, to be a mother, to be in this relationship with this man. One knew about him, one didn't. And it is a lot of your multiple personality parts Some don't know anything about what's going on. They have no contact with the other parts. It was interesting because Eve Black would say she'd go out and drink and and get drunk and let Eve White have the hangover. And Eve White, the first, never knew about Eve Black for a long, long time. So a lot of, a lot of that goes on. So as a therapist, when you're dealing with people come in with depression, that's usually the first layer, and you're working your way back into their lives. And I used to knew what God was going to bring to me. Everybody's going to have multiple personalities. Everybody that I ministered to, talked to, what if? And I have a sweet young lady. She's not young. She's older than me. Lives in Georgia now. Her father abused her. She had no memory of it. She got married to a lawyer, had a kid, and then about when she was 40 years old, the memories came back. Couldn't believe it. But God brought them back, and he said, you come, and I'll keep healing you. And so, uh, you know, she has a lot of issues and a lot of health issues. And, and you can live many years and not have the memories of it. And that was a, God was bringing the memories up to do some healing. And um, she'll talk openly about it, but she didn't know anything about it. But I knew what I was called to do was that everybody that I talked to on the phone, met in Walmart, in church, everybody had had some childhood trauma at some level. All had multiple personalities, all left their bodies, and all needed healing. And they didn't know what the love of God was. They didn't trust it. Uh, they they afraid of it because, you know, they've been told by some bad people, I love you, and mm-hmm. then the love hurts, and the love hurts and beat them and uh, reject them all. So love has a problem in it bringing healing. And peer-to-peers, they feel comfortable with their peers, but the peer cannot help them. They're not strong enough to provide the protection, the safety, the love that a person needs because they're still unhealed and they need they're needy it's like we're too we're both needy and we'll cling to each other tell you my story and you tell me your story but we can't heal each other because it takes that outside source that will say the sun it's powerful it's gentle like that man the psychiatrist didn't do hypnotherapy with the girl in three faces of Eve. He would just say, could I talk to Eve Black? And she closed her eyes and blinked, and there was Eve Black. 
But I talked to Eve White. She'd close her eyes, blink, and there was it. He didn't do anything. You didn't see him in hypnosis. You didn't see aromatherapist. But what you saw, once love came through it, a genuine love, that was the anchor atmosphere and the light that was needed on the inside for Jane White to disappear and Eve, Eve, Eve White and Eve Black. And Jane to ascend on the inside and be the only personality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've read other true stories. This one lady had the same thing. She's seen a psychiatrist. She ran out of insurance money. She said, no problem. You keep coming. And then she started getting healing at home. I said, God, what is going on? They didn't pray for healing. They didn't talk about scriptures. He says, no. But that psychiatrist had a genuine human love. Her. Not yeah. as a sexual object, not as a client, but as a human being. That that is the atmosphere, that is the light that yeah. I work in, and I will use it to defeat the person's spiritual thing that causes. Right. And I'll get my well, that's, that's why I had. I had a really really good psychologist. She stayed with me 13 years, and she retired. I had 31 mm-hmm. personalities, and uh-huh. uh. Victoria was created. I legally changed mm-hmm. my name, um, mm-hmm. and I don't. I don't have both personalities anymore. Mm-hmm. And what happened is, like I said, there are wonderful people that understand it, and that. But most of your master's level social workers count. They don't. Mm-hmm. If you're a marriage therapist, you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. The state licensure does not ask any questions about it. Your professional organizations don't talk about it. We had one well, psychologist. Or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, and um, she ended up retiring after that. Mm-hmm. It was just like Here's, like you said, that love, you know. She she hung in there until, you know, that, that final moment or that whatever she knew, you know. And, uh, um, and then she retired. And she would see me mm-hmm. like twice a week. And I'd miss mm-hmm. appointments because some of the authors didn't remember we even had a therapist or a psychologist. Right. Okay. And yeah, okay. she did the drop us, you know. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, what happens is I always said <laughs> this is one for all and all for If I made a connection to even one part, I knew all the other parts were there. They might be watching from a distance. Mm-hmm. The That's word right. would spread. I would tell them to have... Mm-hmm. A family meeting within yep. themselves, I, I, yep. and I knew I had none of this training at a master's level, and it took God introducing it to me in real people in church, and uh, having to see the changes occur, understand how it worked, uh, and study, read books, watch the movies, took notes, studied. I didn't talk to many people. Do you know what? Uh, didn't talk to psychiatrists. I, I just stayed in the Word of God. And I asked him, I said, um, how come we got all these multiple personality people? Okay. He says, because I'm a multiple. I'm anything I need to be at any time. I'm a father. Okay. I'm a mother. 
I'm a brother, I'm a king, I'm a lord, I'm a husband, I'm an owner, I'm anything. And I gave that gift to humanity. Now, Satan knows it, and he'll use it. We call it, we might call it mind programming, hypnosis. They create all kinds of lies and uh, and it really happens this way. I'll, I'll tell you how you can see it. If you're a civilian and you go into the military and you go through your basic training, a lot of torture, you know, a lot of abuse and running and yelling, you're being, you create a part. When you're in the military and you're in that system, that's the part that's up. One of the great stories, you can go see it on YouTube, is Russell Walker. He was a NFL football player. He he retired, and he discovered he had multiple personalities. He was had one personality that was in the football, and then when he wasn't playing it, didn't need it. And he has some great testimonies. And uh, what you learn is we our brains of our soul and our spirit are so amazing, so capable of doing this, and we don't even know we're doing it. It in psychology, it's considered a a defense mechanism and so psychology believes when you get you're no longer a child or a teenager you're living in that family and you're no longer being abused you don't need it anymore okay and that'll work through hypnosis deprogramming uh medicine uh, and a lot of your psychologists not all but some can test for it you know with the different tests parts are so smart uh, they ain't going to talk, you know, they're going to act like, because they don't, the parts, the system, do not want to be diagnosed this way, because they don't think they're crazy. These kids and these they are not mentally ill to themselves. This is normal life to them. Okay. The, a lot of it is undiagnosed, you know, and it's like, wow, you back one way here and one way there, yeah, you know, just kind of. Do whatever I feel like doing, you know. A lot of this is in the LGBTQ community, but they don't know that. They're just going on their feelings, okay. All that kind of stuff, you know. So what you do is to get to healing is you've got to have an attitude. You've got to recognize something bad happened to me, messed me up. I created a system, I got a lot of hurts and wounds and got a lot of issues, but there's hope that will help me. Got to find them. There's books and movies that will help me get there. But I got to know why do I want to live? Why do I want to be healthy? Uh, What is healthy? I don't know. Aren't we doing all right the way we are? Yeah, we're getting along, got a job, got a husband got some kids yeah but there's something wrong but the system doesn't know what's wrong it doesn't know a lot of times that it has different personalities it doesn't know eve white did not know she had an eve black eve black knew but eve white did not know and um, if you watch the movie sybil you can see what horrendous parental abuse from a mother to a daughter looked like and what it created in her. And yet she didn't know she had all these different personalities. She didn't know why she was a mess. 
And um, so that Sybil's got a book out, I think, and the movie that's out was, I think it's Sally Field and Joanne Wilbert, who actually Joanne played Three Faces of Eve. So there was a lot for me to study and learn. And like I said, none of this was in mental health counseling. No pastor takes any of this classes in his, even in his Doctor of Divinity. You can see it in stories in the Bible. You'll hear it a lot in history. You'll, uh, if you study and look for it, there's a lot of people that are wanting the world to know this is a result of abuse, you know, and trauma. And uh, what happens is, like I use the military, when you're in the military, you create a military personality. Then when you retire, okay, and you're no longer in that system, you really don't have a personality to deal with family, regular society. You have to create one. And what happens is, you know, the system you're in, um, and it creates the new personality. Are there any listeners out there, Miss Victoria? No, no, not yet. Nope. Nope. All right, it's 810. Why don't you do your announcements or about the number to call or whatever you're supposed to do? Sure, sure. If uh, people would like to call in, um, the guest call-in number is 646-595-2118. And uh, you can ask uh, Pastor Deborah any questions that you have or make any comments. And uh, we'd love to have you call in. Um, We're on... uh, Every Monday through Friday night at the same time, and you can all these uh, shows are um, pre-record are are archived. So this is the uh, three thousand two hundred fifty second episode of the NASCA Scan Show, and so um, we hope that you go back and listen to the other ones too. We have a lot of we have had a lot of interesting guests and discussions in the past as well. Well, I got some good news to tell you. Okay. I've got, uh, on Sunday, um, I achieved uh, 37 years sobriety from drugs and alcohol. Congratulations. And I go to a lot of meetings still and help a lot of people out there. Um, I've done a lot okay. of speaking, a lot of presentations, mm-hmm. and it uh, uh, really makes me feel good that um, in our um, at our AA club, we have... Um, the, the last Saturday night of the month, we have what we call pin night. People go up and get pins, and pins, it's really yeah. interesting to watch people that have like a month come up there and get one, and, you know, one gal just got a year, and her whole life changed, you know. I said, isn't it amazing that in one year all those things can happen? She says, yeah, in the last year, I've done more than I've done my whole entire life. <laughs> but she was young, you know, but still, it was just really cool to see the transformation, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's well, how I feel. What happens is drugs and alcohol are used as painkillers to bring comfort, peace, yeah. dull the pain. Then what happens? Well, it was because, my coping mechanism. It was oh, how I coped. To cope, yeah. My family coped that way with all kinds of issues, and you know, yeah. it just yeah, that okay. sounds like a good well, idea. It looked like a good idea. <laughs> okay. Well, here's what and it does. So it, it it goes into the biological body. It changes the chemistry 
in the biological body and the brain. Therefore, from there, it affects your thoughts. Okay? It's your thoughts that are causing you the problems. You can't settle them down. You can't find the peace. So you're looking for peace and comfort. And so somebody over in China used to be opium. And you would just get in that drug state. It was a biological. But then the biological body, the, you're really putting the nerves, the neurons to sleep, deadening them out. And then as they are waking up, when the pain starts, and you can't take the nerves waking up, okay, it's, so it's a different pain if you don't have it than from the trauma and the abuse. So then what happens is you become physically addicted, but you also now become mentally and emotionally addicted for the peace. Can't stand the pain of the nerves waking up. And a lot of mental health counselors don't acknowledge Never volunteered with drug addicts. Never did that, okay? Well, they don't know the connection, the mind-body connection, okay? And it is a coping when you say, I'm seeking something. I don't have peace. When I drink, I'm with friends. Or if I drink, I need just to slow down. My stress level's too high, okay? Because you don't have the inner peace in your soul. Well, for me, it helped me to forget. And I also felt like yes. I always had this well, hole inside me and I didn't know how to fill it. And that seemed to, right. but then all of a sudden yeah. it didn't work anymore. And uh, right. so I, what happened is it switches, listen, it switches mm-hmm. to a biological okay, right. disorder. Your mm-hmm. nerves, your brain, it's like you're being anesthetized. And you really like that because you don't have to think that empty hole, you don't have it anymore because you're zoned out. And Mm -hmm. then you get used to that and you kind of get peaceful once, okay, Mm -hmm. and you sleep, okay. Mm -hmm. And when things start waking up, Okay, mm-hmm. but we don't realize what we're doing to our brain. We're killing neurons, killing cells, doing right. damage to the brain. We don't know that mm-hmm. when we're doing it. And the body, okay. and your body, and the body. Yep, yeah. we don't know that. Okay, and then when we start waking up from it, we're so mm-hmm. addicted to it, physically mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. emotionally. To get to how I explain it, it's like your first shot of heroin. It's the most blissful, peaceful rest you've ever had. And I re- I never did heroin. Okay? Right, right. But I was in a church keep revival. Chasing that high. Keep chasing that high. And the yeah, thing is, but you'll is never like, get, you know, you'll never more get more. Yeah. yeah, because you okay. think about. I was in. Then, okay, I was back. in a church. Revival mm-hmm. called Brownsville Assembly of God. I'd walk up to somebody and they would say, Touch her, Lord. 
they put gently on my forehead and I'd fall flat down on my back. And for two and a half hours, it was like I was on the most deepest heroin trip ever. The peace that was there was tremendous. Okay? I became addicted to the peace of the Lord. He called it the glory blanket. Couldn't move my body. Couldn't open my eyes. It was so peaceful. It was God touching my spirit. Loving on it. Just like somebody. So I understand drug addicts. You should do a lot of drinking. I understand alcoholics. But that gets into the body, right? Then you have medical, biological issues. Okay? And what happens? Cigarette smoking, same way. It's a stimulant. It's a depressant. It changes the body. You get addicted. Now, on top of all your childhood trauma and all those issues, now you've got a biological medical addiction going on. Double whammy. And so before you can really start dealing with your <laughs> inner issues, you got to deal with the outward stuff in the physical body, AA, NA, something like that. And that's where um, a lot of people don't realize that AA was started through Jesus Christ, Christianity, not Catholicism, not Islam, not Buddhism, not Scientology, but Christianity, Protestant. You know, started by Frick up in Columbus, Ohio, went to his house, beautiful house, went to his little gatehouse where they had the meetings. Excellent place. And uh, what happened was, you're going to get to that there's a higher power called Christ Jesus, God, that I need him in my life. And only he can do this. And he's going to require me to forgive people and do some things. And it has stayed that way, except a lot of people have now just put in whatever higher power they want. Okay. And it went into, I think, Cocaine Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous and mm-hmm. Gamblers Anonymous. and No, Gamblers sexual... Anonymous doesn't use the 12 steps. No, they don't. Okay. I've been there. But the I thing, have, yeah. you, you can see when you bring in a higher power, a system of forgiveness, working through stuff, peer support that supports you, that have walked the walk, been through what you've been through, and come out the other side. It works. Mental health counseling isn't like that. There's, you don't get that. Your mental health counselor don't say nothing. They're not with you at nighttime. They're not with you throughout the years. There's no medals. They don't give out any medal. They don't do anything. Totally different. Because they're, okay, different type of system. Can you use both of them? Yes. And are they both important? Yes. And if you've got to be on psychiatric medication for a while, it's okay. You know, and God can be working while you, you know, get that brain calmed down, get things sort of calm in there so you can think or read a book or you can eat right. You know, sometimes people's, As you know, when you get on alcohol or drugs, you don't have a healthy diet. Your system is totally messed up. Right. And if you don't... Well, when you eat, you're you're drunk when you eat. Well, your body is just deficient in so many healthy things. 
and yeah. it's the alcohol it kills good stuff in there mm-hmm. okay yeah. it kills your brain cells okay yeah. you're actually killing your brain mm-hmm. and your thinking ability mm-hmm. and so the, the other stuff so and then of course well, I, you know, if you I even talked about when when uh I first got sober, um, it took quite a while, and I, I don't know if this is how you describe it, but I describe it as for the fog to lift until I could even think clearly because okay, it okay. still had that mm-hmm. cloud no, over ma'am. my brain as well. I well, don't know what it means. Okay. What yeah. it means is your brain, through the alcohol, okay, has been put to sleep. Alcohol is a disinfectant, can also puts the nerves that are in all parts of your body and in your brain sort of anesthetizes them, puts them in a state of sleep, okay? So they use alcohol when they're doing, used to use it for surgery, a lot of you, okay? And so what happens is you're actually just putting your brain and you're killing a lot of the brain cells to sleep, the nerves to sleep. That's why you usually fall asleep after a while. Of course, you can also get alcohol poisoning, as you know. Then what happens, it's like coming out of an operation. When you start, you know, waking up, you start feeling the pain of the operation. Right. But when they're doing the operating, they need you to be still, quiet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what happens is that our bodies get addicted. I think Michael Jackson used to do uh, propofol, and he would he had a doctor that would give him this uh, anesthesia so he could sleep at nighttime. Yeah. Okay. Because he couldn't sleep. He was when you're an entertainer, you're up late at night doing shows and stuff, and your adrenaline's going on, your hormones, your sugar's flowing. And now you got to go to sleep and you, you can't do it. So he would take propofol, right. I think it was. And he overdosed on it because his doctor didn't watch it. So he was really basically anesthetized. So taking alcohol yeah. does that. And mm-hmm. you feel free on yeah. your way there and you're happy and stuff. And then you kind of pass out. And most trauma right. people can't sleep at night. There's too much going on on the mm-hmm. inside. Their parts come up that have been down mm-hmm. all day. And so they don't get the rest and uh, it it dulls the pain. And then, of course, sometimes if you are around certain types of abuse, they use drugs and alcohol to keep you subdued. And so right. they don't want you active. They want you just compliant. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, when you get there, child abusers, you know, a lot of them, I don't think Three Faces of Eve or Sybil ever really drank. They're, mm-hmm. they're, okay, Eve Black did. She danced and would drink alcohol and stuff to have fun, but it wasn't to dull the pain. That was her personality. And mm-hmm. I have known so many people. So healing people from abuse. Mm-hmm takes a dedicated, educated therapist or psychologist or pastor and to, like you said, stay with them, 
know what's going on. I don't have to ask anybody any questions. They don't have to tell me their story because I knew the kind of people I was going to be doing ministry with, the Victorias of the world. And it didn't matter if I was in Walmart. It didn't matter where I was. On the phone, YouTube, Victorias of the world. And I already knew what was there. Mm -hmm. I knew how to deal with them. But I had to get educated. had to get uh, experienced. Mm -hmm. And I had to know that was my calling. Like for you, every time you go and do a community work, advocate, you know you're speaking to ignorant people. And you have a job to do out there. And you don't, and you just know these people don't know nothing about this. Well, I've had many people come up to me in AA and thank me for things that I've said, and you know just say that I was a blessing and that you know that I give them mm-hmm. inspiration, you know because mm-hmm. you know I talk but about see, breast cancer that you, you know that kind of right. back out there. All right, we got you know. five minutes. I want you to do this on your own. When we hang up, I want you to point your finger at a wall and say. I will hear the doctor, I will listen to him, I will drink more water, you speak to your Mm -hmm. kidneys, you ask them to forgive you for misabusing you, you speak Mm -hmm. to the enemy of healing, the enemy of NASCA, you point your finger out and say, you should have killed me because I'm going to be your worst enemy. I will Mm -hmm. live and declare healing. And my mm. kidneys will, you declare your kidneys to get healed. You speak to mm. them. You say, if I need to drink. Okay. You do some, it's inner work you're doing to yourself. Right. You're talking to your body. You're listening to the doctors. And you're going to speak to your enemy that tried to take you out in childhood. And you say, oh, boy, you ain't getting me off the battlefield. Yeah. Okay. I got a war against Thank you. Whatever you want to name it. All right. It is eight twenty-six. You got four oh minutes. <laughs> Close out yeah. the show. Well, yeah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you coming on again, and uh, you're very dedicated to this uh, this Blog Talk Radio show, and I really appreciate it. Um, I do want to read something that we read at the Zoom meeting, and it's called. Uh, the Nazca Serenity Prayer, and it's, please grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly, the courage to forgive myself because I always try my best, and the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart. And uh, I like reading that. Um, it's just very simple, and uh, mm-hmm. it means a lot. It really does mean a lot to me. And then we have, um, three times a week, we have... Um, Zoom meetings, Zoom support group meetings that people can find uh-huh. that on the website. And uh, we have a lot of educational material, too. And so if people are listening that are not survivors but want to spread uh, NASCA's message, um, there's a lot of information on, uh, on the website as well. There's uh, information for parents that want to talk to their uh-huh, kids. Uh-huh. That's right. That's so, right. You know, healthy touch and that. And I, I've shared a lot of that with people that are mm-hmm. not survivors, but are, they'll say, well, I'm really concerned about my kids. And it's like an mm-hmm. end to say, hey, we got something on well, the Well, here's what you want to do. You, you want to realize that you're to keep doing that. So if you, the, you address your kidney issues, you do what the doctors say, do some research, drink your water, uh-huh. and you declare that you still have purposes, you ain't going out yet. 
you got okay, well, thank you, Pastor and then- Deborah. And we got like 90 seconds, so I'm going to go ahead and play the end song. Thanks, everybody, okay. for listening. And you can listen to all the shows. And uh, have a good night, and we'll see you on uh, the radio tomorrow night. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Another tomorrow Cause that's gone